Welcome to JFK and the Enduring Secret. I'm your host, Jeff Crudell. And welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 189, and it's the second part of a two-part mini-series wander on the Reverend Raymond Brochiers. This is one of the more wild and wacky witnesses that turned up in the Garrison investigation. And we gave a fairly extensive background on Brochiers, along with the conversations that he had in a television program, and that was chronicled in the previous episode, episode 188. Today, we finish our business with the good Reverend Raymond Brochiers by providing you the audio from his HSCA testimony or deposition taken under oath. For what it's worth, this is a far more serious conversation with true interrogation, and you can tell by the very initial tone of it as the conversation gets started. It's a contrast to what you heard at the end of episode 188 when he was on the television show. But for the sake of historical accuracy, we presented these in the order in which they occurred. This turns out to be a rather long episode, about an hour and 20 minutes long, so you may want to break it up into chunks or not. That's up to you. And I guess you could say it's a bonus episode, but as I say about all of these episodes, I hope you'll stick with it because I think it's worth listening to. So, without further ado... Let's listen to episode 189 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. Is that correct? And the other qualification is that I, I, 
can only say that I'm... Can you speak answer, louder, please? The only thing I can say is I'm answering these to the best of my memory. And those words I've reported to you earlier were very bad years. You are trying to answer this to the best of your memory, and you are agreeing to have the conversation tape recorded. Is that correct? Yes. yes. All right. Now, right now, I'm going to turn it off and play it back to make sure that we've taken this down. All right? and it is working. Present also in the room is investigator Jack Moriarty. Uh, no one else is present at this time. Now, Mr. Brochures, uh, we have had only an actual few minutes to talk to you about any of the matters involving uh, your knowledge of David Ferry, uh, and then I suggested to you that instead of taking notes in order to make sure that uh, we understood what you were saying, and we took it down correctly. Uh, we terminated the conversation, and now we're going to begin it again with the tape recorder on. Is it, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's start now, if we can, to the best of your memory, uh, with David Ferry, when you first met him. Take your time uh, and, and think out. I know you're going back in time. As, as I said to Mr. Moriarty earlier, it was either, it could have been a combination of late 61, early 62. And then again in 63, and then again in 65. Right, now, the first time that you met David Ferry, uh, where did that occur? Do you recall? Downtown in the French Quarter. In what city? New Orleans. And uh, was it in some t on the street or in a bar, a cafe, or what? It seemed to me I'd met him really on the street. For the first time? Yeah. Well, how did you come acquainted then, with him? Uh, then later in the bar. You met him in a bar? Yeah. Was that a... Well, I, I don't drink. See, I want to make that point perfect. I don't drink or smoke or do any of those things. All right, was that but, a... Uh, um, See, I, I was a, a, what they called in those days a closet case. I was not, well, of course, most all homosexuals were closet May, may I interrupt you for a moment? Uh, was this a gay bar? No, it was a homosexual. Uh, in those days, they didn't have homosexual bars, but it's where a lot of homosexuals, not a lot, a few went to because uh, I guess the owners were very liberal or whatever. Are you a homosexual? I'm an overt and sometimes practicing homosexual. And you were a homosexual back in 1961. I I know I I I, um, I I don't I don't believe I was, but I felt drawn to them. But I I, I don't believe I was. All right. Now I want to show you a picture. Uh, this comes from a magazine called Cover Up or a book called Cover Up. It's page 92. And I ask you if the picture at the top left is uh, David Ferry. Is this David Ferry? Yes, it that is. I'm pointing to. All right, yes, that's just so that we know. It's kind of an exaggeration, though. Well, it's a, it's not a it's not a good photo, but you do recognize it as being David. Yeah, Ferry. Yeah, essentially because he had the you know the, the problem of the skin problem. Okay, remember we have to speak it, it, up. It, you know, it certainly didn't affect his. Uh, and this is another uh, on page uh, 93. 
the upper right hand corner that is David Ferry yeah okay now uh, how did your relationship with David Ferry commence it was in the this bar where, where some homosexuals were and how did your acquaintance uh, strike up well I was I was there I was the vehement anti-communist uh, crusader um, and I was an evangelist uh, you were an evangelist uh, yeah, back in those days. Let's speak up. I was an evangelist, and uh, I had uh, been passing out a great deal of anti-communist literature and uh, in New Orleans, Christian literature, and uh, pointing out, you know, it's just a, the, what you'd call, I can't even remember exactly what it said, but it, it, it was from the American Christian Crusade Against Communism and from, you know, uh, Reverend Billy James Hargis' group. You've heard of him? Yes, I have. Huh? Yeah, well, that's, it's just that his literature was the best there was to use in those days. And uh, also we had some from some other groups, but that was the predominant one. And uh, I, I believe I passed it to him on the street, and he was intrigued. He says, I'd like to talk to him. I said, I don't drink. So we went inside this bar. Yeah, but later I we're going to try and make a copy of this tape recording for you. Yeah. So the louder you speak, the better your copy will be. Is I know it's difficult. You speak rather rapidly. If you could slow it just a little, it would help. I don't want you to in interfere with your explanation, but... Well, as I, I'm, I'm pretty much sure but the time, the date, time, that, I'm not sure, but I'm positive that is how I met him, was when I was passing out this literature, you know, from uh, the American Christian Crusade against did he, communism. Did he express any opinions to you about his feelings about communists at that time? Oh, yes, yes, very much so. What did he tell you? Well, he just thought I was doing a very good job, you know, and, you know, he uh, congratulated me, you know, and thought it was, you know, wonderful. And uh, I told him, you know, the others who were doing the work, and uh, I told him of, uh, you know, of uh, the gentleman from Narbo, Missouri, and others who had a great concern about the communist tide in America. Let me ask you this. Could you tell when you were talking with David Ferry at that time that he was a homosexual? He looked strange, you know, needless to say, but no, because I wasn't that conscious of it in those days. No. You, you later found out that he was, in fact, a homosexual. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Now, did uh, in that initial conversation that you had with Ferry, were there any discussions about uh, uh, Cuba? at all or Castro well that in that particular era was quite the topic of conversation uh, because Mr. Kennedy had just been in office a short while and relations in Cuba were getting worse and worse and worse and there was a great deal of activity in New Orleans and in southern Louisiana may I interrupt you for a moment the time that you met Mr. Ferry was that before the so-called Bay of Pigs invasion, or was it after? That's what I'm not too clear on. I don't recall. See, these things, um, at that time, they were very important to me. But after something happened to me later on, you know, I, I tried to blank all that out and, uh, you know, start a whole new life for myself, which I have done successfully here in California. Um, I'm not sure. In fact, I would be interested in knowing that myself It was if it was before... You know, or after the Bay of Pigs. Uh, let me but ask. I know, I know this, that he was extremely angry 
the, gov the government was supporting, in essence, and I, I felt so too, that the government... Oh, wait, he was Kennedy. angry about what? Well, Kennedy was selling out the country to the communists. Was this what Ferry told you originally? Yes. Uh, in what way was he selling it out to the communists? Well, the things that he was saying uh, to the media and to the people of America were not exactly true. He was talking a hard line against Russia, but yet the facts still, and, and Cuba, but the fact remains that they were still there, and he was doing nothing about it. Our, our, our forces at Guantanamo, he uh, said he would be defended. So, but if, if he was really talking the hard line, common sense tells you, if he was really talking the hard line against Cuba and Russia, and they were reacting as, as they should if he was talking that hard line to them, unless there was some secret negotiations going on, common sense tells you they would have walked in and taken over the naval base. When, right? Right. That's common sense. Well, when, what so about... Does this represent your feelings or Mr. Ferry's feelings? Well, that was our discussion oh. uh, at that time. I remember it was on... It was, it was on Cuba, you know, on communism, which really, you know, was, was that was how I met him, was on was discussing Cuban communism. What what did De uh, David Ferry do at that time to make a living? Did he tell you? He was a pilot. He was a, 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 a pilot for what, for an airlines or a private plane or what? He said he, he said he was a pilot for, for Eastern Airlines, but later on I learned that wasn't true. What he did was at one time, but he wasn't then, my doctor. What did he actually do to make a living at that time? He flew private uh, planes uh, to various places, to Mexico and to into the Caribbean. Uh, uh, doing what? I don't know. He, well, just, he just flew planes. Would, would, did David Ferry make you aware of his gun-running activities? Not then. When did you learn uh, that he had been involved in gun running? 1965. And how did that come about? We were discussing, well, John F. Kennedy was dead. Kennedy was dead. And I you were was, talking with Ferry now? Yeah, and I was in a bit of trouble myself. And, because um, this. Well, did, you, did, did Ferry tell you anything about whether he had run guns to the Cubans? At any time. Now, I'm, I don't want to make myself... His statements were that he was flying supplies and ammunition. To who? The supplies uh, to the forces that were going to pre-Cuba. But he never said that he was flying to Cuba. Let me ask you, is he, are you talking he about flights that were taking place in 1965 or earlier? This is in the earlier, much earlier. Before Castro took over or after? After. So he was flying then uh, supplies to anti-Castro forces? Uh, yes, as I understand, yes. Okay. Now, let's go back again. That was in 16... By the way, where did that conversation in 1965 take place? If that, you I know for sure, took place uh, at his home. But I, I'm not sure. I'm sure it was on... Uh, Where was his home? Louisiana Parkway. I'm, I'm pretty much sure it was at his home. What city? New Orleans. New Orleans, all right. He didn't live anywhere else in the time I knew him. Right. Do you recall if, if anybody else was there at the time? The one time, in a couple years later, I believe, the first time I met him, uh, uh, Mrs. 
shortly before I got more messes. Um, there was a man came to the door, very sexy looking man, looking from now, you know, looking back now. Um, nice looking young man, but extremely nervous, extremely nervous. I remember that. And David got extremely upset, you know, so you shouldn't come here, you're in a business here, and you know, you're not supposed to come around here. And that's they were, that's all I heard. I mean, that's all I could audibly hear, but they were having harsh words and sending away. But that man later on, uh, you know, I, you know, when I eventually saw all the pictures, that, that man had to be. And it could not be anyone else but Lee Harvey Oswald. All right, now, let me, I, let I, me I, interrupt I, you for a second I again. The photo is very close. All right, uh, Raymond, let me interrupt you for a second. Did... Uh, David Ferry introduced you to Oswald when Oswald came to Ferry's house. No, I don't, I don't believe he did. Was that the? Because I remember he said, "This is none of your business." Uh, you know. Was this the first time that you had ever seen Lee Harvey Oswald? To my recollection, that's my recollection. Right. Approximately how long was Lee Harvey Oswald in David Ferry's house and under your observation? Oh God, it couldn't have been more than. Not more than 10 minutes, not less than three. How close were you to uh, Lee Harvey Oswald at that time? Not at all. No, I don't mean that way. I mean, how physically could, oh, you, could you reach out and touch him with your how, arm? How far away were you? Oh, <laughs> say, hey. How far away were you? Um, you can point to a place in the living room. I would say um, it was about like he looked at the door, just inside the door, and I was across the room on the couch. I guess that was about, uh, about from here to the desk. Here to the desk. Then, all right, then let me paste that off. About here. About where I am now. Yeah. That's about yeah. anywhere from 15, yeah. 18 feet. Yeah, I couldn't recognize you. 15, about 16 about feet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I about, recognize about you. About the length of an orange With the lighting good, it was about just like that. It, it wasn't bright. It wasn't dark. Were you able to see uh, Oswald? You could see him, couldn't you? Were you able to see Oswald's full face? Yeah. Because uh, I, I said he was, he was very nervous. He seemed to be uh -huh. sweating. Profusely. And you could hear some of the conversation. Yeah, David uh, said that he shouldn't be there, you know. That Oswald shouldn't be there. Yeah. Could you hear what Oswald said, or, or did Oswald indicate why I he had come? I couldn't hear what he said because he spoke in kind of a soft tone. I don't know if that's his normal, if that was his normal way of speaking or not. Did you ever see Oswald, Oswald again after uh, that time at Ferry's house? Alive. Um, later, and this is the one identification I'm not one million percent positive of. Okay, but it could have been him. I mean, it, it, it to me it looked like him. Where? But uh, I wasn't introduced to him. He was across the room. And he was very, very nervous. Yeah, the man seemed nervous both times I saw him. Where? The second uh, time. The address was um, on Lafayette Street. It was still in New Orleans. Yeah. 
Whose house was it? It was one house. It was it was the office of um, Mr. Bannister and Mr. Ward. They were in Guy Bannister. Yeah. And what was the other name? Mr. Ward. I don't. I Ward W A R D. Yeah. I didn't see. And what was uh, was Mr. Ferry there also? He was there. Yeah. And were you there? I was. I just had gone with with David Ferry to pick up a packet of well, what was money for something he had done, a trip he had flown, he said, and to pick up some anti-communist literature. Now, what? who was uh, Oswald talking to when you saw him at uh, Guy Bannister's? Was not anyone. He was, when David came into the room, he got quiet. Right. Let, let me ask you this question, if I may. We took a cab there. All right, All right. Raymond? Yeah. When you first saw Oswald and he came to David Ferry's house in New Orleans, how long, you, how long before the assassination was that? Was that in the same year that Kennedy died, which was 1963? Was it in the same year that Kennedy died? All right. Do you, do you remember what part of 1963 No, was? I don't. I, I told Mr. Moriarty, uh, that's the same guy that's always trying to kill Sherlock Holmes. Professor Moriarty, his uncle. Yeah, a loser. <laughs> uh, try and try and remember. Try and remember if you can. I, I, whether it was I, I the summer. I tried to remember. I told the gentleman I thought it was either late spring or early summer. It seems to me. Okay. Now because it was it was miserably hot and it was raining. Let me ask you a couple questions. Miserably hot. Was anybody with you and David Ferry when Oswald came to Ferry's house? Or were you the only two in the house? If you recall. I'm trying to think exactly when I met this young boy who later turned out to be a husband. In those days, they weren't called husbands, companions. But I'm trying to think if he was there then. And I'm not sure if it was, it could have been, or maybe, yeah, it was 63. It had to have been Leighton Martin. Leighton what? Martin. Spell his last name. M-A-R-T-E-N-S. And his first name? Leighton. Leighton? Leighton. Martin. So that's his first and last name. Do you know where he is now? I have no idea. He's a very very evil little punk. Did he have a criminal record that you know of in New Orleans? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. I don't know of. I didn't know anything about him except that he was a friend of David Ferry. And, and, of course, by then, you know, I knew that Ferry was homosexual, so I assumed this is one of his boys. Could you describe... I, I hadn't fully accepted homosexuality. In Could you describe him, you know, what he looked like then? I just saw a picture of him a minute ago. Oh, oh. Now, you're referring to the picture on but page that, 92 of cover-up that said yeah, lately... The, the hair is not the same. Well, he yeah, has a military haircut. But it's that, those eyebrows, those is, eyes. Are you sure this is the person that was present at Ferry's when no, Oswald came? Tim, he's got a very weak mouth. As you can see, he's got a very weak mouth. He's got evil eyes. I remember that. Now, very weak mouth. Little slimy snake. Was he in the, same, uh, in the same position that you were enabling him to see Oswald? Or was he in another part of the house? I, I said, I'm not sure, uh -huh. but I, I, I'm not sure. 
what did he, but he I, I seen I saw him there let me ask you one more thing was Oswald by himself when he came to the house no there was someone out in the car someone drove him there what kind of a car I don't recall sir but there I, was I, somebody I, in an automobile there was a car man or woman I don't know sir do did they wait for him and did he drive away like he approached the house did he leave the same way I didn't see, but I heard a car door slam, knock on the door, later, and then louder was, uh, no, no, he left in a car, he left in a car. Uh-huh. What did David Ferry say to you after Oswald left? It's none of my business. Did he mention the man's name? Huh? You know, he just said a screwed up mix up guy that he, he had dealings with and he didn't like him. You know, he said he screwed up. But did he say his name? He did no, no, he didn't. No, he, he oh, wait a minute. I can't recall. It seems to me that he did, but the name was not Lee. It seems to me it was something else, but um, I'm not sure. See, that's why I'm positive of the face. Positive things, but well, let me ask. But, he, but the thing that he said later on was that he's gotten himself into something more than he can handle. You know, he's going to get himself hurt. Were you living at David Ferry's house at this time? No, I wasn't. I was just a visitor. I never actually lived there. That's been a misconception by some people. And I think, well, did you, you visit know, your friend? You know, and I was there in and out. You know. And I stayed there two nights. Now, that doesn't make me live there. But that, well, yes, technically, legally, that does. Well, like an overnight guest. Yeah. yeah. Did you visit him for a while? You, 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 go, you were friends, right? Acquaintances. Acquaintances. Did you become a friends? political basis. You had, you had something in common. Yes, it was a political friendship. Did you? Religious have... political friendship. Because he turned me on to something else. Because I didn't like the Pentecostal church. And he turned me on to the uh, Orthodox Old Catholic Church. Did you ever engage in a uh, uh, an intimate relationship with David Ferry I at a later time? I declined to comment. Okay, that's fine. I, anytime that it, that it gets, you know, I'm asking this just to clarify the record, please feel free to say that, okay? I declined to comment. That's, that's fine. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the law is in New Orleans. I'll take it for granted. sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. But let me uh, go on to another area. Uh, ten to twenty-five years. Right. You'd better take another area. Take another area. Yeah. We don't have ten to twenty-five years no. at the present. No. So in New Orleans, you do in Louisiana. All right. This committee doesn't. Oh, with, committee. No, we got a little over now, a year. With, with David Ferry, let me ask you this: Do you remember where you were on the day that President Kennedy was assassinated? I really, really don't. You don't remember learning of the, of the death? I don't. And that bothers me. And it bothers me because there have been some very evil people bothering me over the years trying to place me in Dallas. And I have never been in Dallas except the past two and a half. But I know of. No. That I can remember. But... I know I was not there. I believe I was either in Kansas City 
same books. Now, it had to be one of the two places when he died. Now, at a later, at a later time, did David Ferry relate to you? At a later time, did David Ferry? I'm looking at this uh, book called Cover Up, which was written by one of the critics of the Warren Report. That's just a couple of pages. This is just a couple of pages of the book. Is my name in there? Yes, it is. Right, yeah. Now, I, I would I never gave an interview to anybody. Well, let. Sometimes sure. that's why we have a tape recorder. Gave any that's why we have a tape recorder on. Can you? Would you wait a second? We have a tape recorder on so that you know what's being said. Now, what I want to ask you is: Did David Ferry? Did David Ferry, to the best of your recollection, ever tell you that he had left New Orleans and gone somewhere on the day of the assassination? it's difficult, but I also know that you want to be a candidate and, and, and honest in your recollections. Well, can I qualify? Certainly. Sure. Let me say this, that David Ferry was a very, a very kind person. He, uh, he saved my life. I can't tell you what I mean by that, but he actually physically saved my life. And he was a very kind person. He was a very generous person. And anything that he was involved with, he did it not out of a sense of negativity. He did it out of a sense of pure goodness. Patriotism, maybe? I, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. And I, I can give you my word on that I, I, as, a, as a minister and as a humanitarian. I, I, I can give you my word on that, that he was a good person. And anything that he got involved in, that he did because it was right in, in, his, in his heart. And, and I know that he weighed the pros and the cons. And what he did he did he felt he felt he was doing the good of the country and he wasn't some radical person he really wasn't uh, I found him to be a very rational person he could set and he would analyze things out you know and, and lay it out for you but he um, did tell me that he Went to Galveston, Texas. Did he go to Galveston first, or did he go to Houston first? I'm not that sure. Houston was involved in it. Uh, he went to Galveston to fly a plane. That's all I know for absolute sure. He could fly a plane to Cape Town, South Africa, or yeah, well, I'm sure it was Cape Town, then later Victoria. He was going to take, fly a plane from Galveston to Cape Town and then to Victoria. By a, a, a route through, mm -hmm. through the through the Americas. 
Why did David Ferry tell you that he was going to, or what did fit David he Ferry? Said, no, he didn't say he was going to, sir. No, oh, he did. You're, he did. you're, see, you're, 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 you're making it sound like, I don't like what you're saying. No, I want so, you to say your no, words. Wait my words. Please. You're making it sound like, he told me this in 63, and he told me this in 65. It's in the past tense. Okay. Oh. That's right. See? I, I understood that it was in 65, he was telling you yeah, this. Yeah, but it's in the past tense, not... Okay. No. In 1965... It was after the fact, not before the fact. Oh, Please, my God, you're going to get me in trouble. Oh, no, no. I'm glad you clarified that. I, I thought you were talking about... You're getting me in trouble. No, no. In 1965, when you had the conversation with David Ferry, when he related this to you, okay? This was two years after Kennedy was dead, right? Nearly two years. Yeah. All right. In 1965, did Ferry relate to you what this flying of the plane was all about, that he had planned to do or was going to do? He was supposed to have flown this plane to Mexico, Blah, blah. I don't know all the stuff, but I can't remember. But it was eventually in the. All right, Mr. Brochures, I've just turned the tape over. Now you were, now you were telling us that David Ferry in 1965 had related something to you about this plane trip that he was going to take or to fly. He was fly and you said he he told you that he was going to fly them. Now, what did the them relate to or they relate to? He was supposed to have flown three people who were coming in from Dallas to, that's what he said, to South, South Africa, which did not have an expedition treaty with the United States, according to David. I don't know if it did or sure. not. Does it? No, I don't know either. I'm, we're just, what David know. told you is what we're interested and, in. Um, then uh, these three people were people who were involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That's what David Ferry told you? That's right. Did he tell you the names and of those people? The he did tell me the names, but I don't remember them. The only name that sticks with me, and that is, and I'm sure it was a, I'm positive that it was a three-part name, but Garcia was one of three parts of the one man's name. He was a Cuban. The other two were not Cuban. Now, David Ferry, from what you told us earlier, was an anti-Castro uh, person, anti-communist and anti-Castro. Am I right in that? As, as, to me, he was. I don't know what he was the rest of the world. Did David Ferry comment to you in 1965 anything about Oswald? When, he was, when Ferry was talking to you about flying people involved in the assassination, did he comment to you about Oswald? He told me that Lee Harvey Oswald did not shoot John F. Kennedy. He said Lee Harvey Oswald could not hit a cow 25 feet away. Now, how did... Now, 
how did he how did he tell you that he knew that Oswald didn't shoot Kennedy? Was it because he just didn't think he had the capability? No, he did not. He told me that he did not shoot them because the other men shot President Kennedy. And Oswald was being followed by other people and he was he was set up, he was used. Now, the way David put it to me, he was used. How did he was guilty of being involved, the way David put it to me, guilty of being involved in a conspiracy that he was guilty of, which, as I understood it from David, was a death penalty offense. But he did not shoot John F. Kennedy. David explained it to me at that particular time because I was very concerned, I was deeply concerned because of David's involvement. And because of fact, he said that rifle could not hit anything at that distance. And he said, and he said Lee Harvey Oswald couldn't hit a cow 25 feet away if he had a, a, a uh, I think he said a double barrel shotgun or something. Did, did David Ferry tell you that he had ever seen Lee Harvey Oswald practicing with a rifle so that Ferry would have something to base that opinion on? He, he went into something, a dialogue along that line, but I don't recall exactly what it was, but he, said, he, 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 he knew that he couldn't shoot with a dam. He was very adamant about that. Did he tell you... Well, let me ask that, you... That particular rifle, the bore would not permit a, a bullet to go as far as they claimed it went. He says, the government is, is proved, the government is corrupt, it proves that there are communists in the government. That's what he said. What, what was the, why didn't David Ferry fly these three assassins or three people involved in the conspiracy away? They didn't show up. Did he mention anything to you about an ice skating rink? Oh, yeah. What was that? He and Leighton Martin, the little punk, and the other punk. I'm going to show you a picture here now on page 92 of cover-up at the bottom and ask you if you recognize that man. I did see his picture in a, in, a, in a magazine. I don't know. Oh, you don't know him? I've never met him in person. He looked familiar, but I don't believe I've met him. The picture I that think I, I have, but I'm not positive I have. The picture I showed you that you don't recognize is Al Bobuf, B-E-A-U-B-E-O-U-F. That's just so the record is clear. Yeah. I, I'm making it clear that he looked familiar, but I'm not positive that I ever met him. Okay? Do you know if that I'm uh, positive I met that one, but his hair is, is, is a lot different than that. Now you're pointing to Leighton Martins when you make it. Okay. How about this other punk? Do you happen to know his name? It wasn't him. It wasn't this one here. It wasn't, and you're, again, you're pointing to Bobuf now. But when, when Ferry went to the skating rink the with other, Martins and the other punk, is that, is that all the description uh, yeah. you have? Yeah. Why, uh, why did Ferry, did Ferry give you the reason that these three people didn't show up, that he was supposed to fly away? He stated to me, and it sounded a bit far, bit far fetched, but I have no knowledge whatsoever. He you said, just tell me what he said, okay? Yeah. He said that they tried, that something went wrong in Dallas, and they were, he said, this is, this is what he learned from someone later, and who was in the know, and he said they panicked and tried to fly straight, they were going to try to, I'm positive he said they were going to, uh, they, they had refueled, 
that they need to. They refilled the Beaumont tank. And then we're going to fly on down the coast, following the coast. Because the plane was a small plane and didn't have enough gas to go very far without who, who was gonna hopping. Who was going to refuel Beaumont? Ferry or the no, three, no, men. Three, no, three men? And to, to come and meet Ferry? The bigger plane that he was going to cross. Did Ferry tell you who was going to pay him for transporting these three people? No. Did Ferry... But I have reason to believe that it was based on his affiliation. I have reason to believe it was Carlos Marcello. Marce Marcello or Marcellus? Marcellus. Is he... Who is he? Or, or what was that other name? Sergio Smith. You say it again slowly? Smith was his name. And uh, Sergio. Sergio? Sergio. Now, what, who is this Carlos Marcellus that you said? I, all I know is he's somebody with a, with a syndicate and was involved in a lot of heroin trafficking in New Orleans. Did David... And all over, really. Did David Ferry ever tell you that he had worked for Marcellus in the past? Yes. What did he tell you about that? He said he worked for him. In what respect? How did he work for him? He flew the plane. Did, the plane where some drugs were moved? Or did David Ferry ever explain the details? I have no idea. I, I, I just don't want to say. I don't know. Well, right, well let's distinguish here. I, I, don't respect, believe, I, don't I respect your... Uh, I don't believe that he would fly drugs. Weapons, then? I don't believe he applied that. I don't know. Supplies. Supplies. Cargo. These would be to the anti-Castro people. Supplies and cargo. Supplies and cargo. All right. Cargo. Supplies. I, I don't want to nail that. Who else did David Ferry fly for besides the uh, the syndicate? I'm not all that sure. I'm not all that sure. Did he seem to the... Was, he had lots of contracts. But, you know, he was a very, very busy person, and he spent a lot of time um, in... Uh, he went to Hammond, Louisiana a lot. What's there? I don't know. What did... They, he was, he Hammond? Was, Hammond, Louisiana. You mean he flew there a lot? He went there. I don't know if he flew. Oh. He walked. Did Ferry tell you... What did Ferry say to you that leads you to the conclusion that organized crime, or Marcellus, was involved in the Kennedy uh, assassination? Well, he said something, affected, something like $20 million a day in drug trafficking and gambling had been cut off from the syndicate by virtue of Castro's new policy, which is not what he said what the syndicate expected because Castro had said everything was going to be fine and then he turned it into a communist government because Castro was not a communist originally. Why did Ferry say that they I mean, were mad? Why did Ferry, if he did say, why did he say that the blame was placed on Kennedy for that? If Ferry said it or talked about it with you. He did. I don't know. Same as, I guess it's the reason it's same as mine. Believe that Kennedy is pro-communist. Let me ask you something. Do you remember offhand the occasion 
for Ferry reciting all this to you in 1965? Yes. Remember what the atmosphere Ill. was? Before he, was he, Ill. Ill. he was ill. He was ill. Do you remember where this was? I'm trying to remember exactly where that, that's the whole thing. Um, I had met him downtown in a restaurant. Is this in New Orleans? New Orleans, yes. Mm-hmm. And he was depressed, extremely depressed. Was he by himself? Yes, he was. And were you by and yourself? Was, I don't believe I was by myself. I think I had a young man with me. But I, if it was, I don't know who in the hell it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dr. Dutton. You mean there was a man present at the conversation? A boy. A boy present? Were very related these things to you? Some of the things. The boy went off to play the pinball machine. How ill could Ferry have? Ferry wasn't bedridden then. No, no. But he was, you know, he was, he'd been ill with uh, fever. He was very nervous. He felt that he'd been, he was being harassed by, who? by three different elements. And uh, did he name these elements? Yes, he, he, he did. And one of them was a man who, he said, one of them was one of the people, and I don't know exactly how you pronounce the name. I, I can't remember, but it was a Spanish-sounding name. Uh, someone he had worked for in the past. He'd flown things for. And they wanted to shut him up, he said. They wanted, they wanted to tell him. He says, and then on the other hand, over here, the district attorney wants to kill me, and then over here, the, the uh, FBI wants to kill me. Now, you said the district now, attorney, now, who was the referring to? Yeah. Who was he referring to? Was I it Garrison? Would, I would assume. How about the FBI? Did he put any names with that? There was a name in particular of an agent who had bothered him. There was a name that I don't recall. See, at that time, you got to remember, none of this was important. Yeah, but really, that was important. You know? keep a diary by chance? No, thank God I don't. <laughs> this no, I, I did at that time. But uh, what happened I, got rid, of, when I got rid of everything. When I came to California, this was going to be a whole new life for me. I got rid of everything. Uh, I, how did you get I rid of it? I destroyed it. I destroyed it completely in the furnace in my grandmother's and uh, her basement. You burned your diary? I burned everything. Are you, you sure? I positive. Do you think that that uh, young boy might have kept a diary? Yeah, I don't believe that. He's just a little hustler. What do you say, hustler? You mean he was out to make some money for yeah. people who wanted their, his affection? Yeah, he's about, I guess he's about 18, 19 years old. At that time? Yeah. Now, were that, at that time, had you uh, determined that you were homosexual? I was, I was still very much in the closet. He was a student minister, the way I put it. All right. The way I introduced him. Now, you were, you yeah. have been interviewed, were you ever interviewed by anybody from the Warren Commission? When I say that, I mean FBI and uh, Secret Service. Or anything. No, 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 no. Have no. you ever been interviewed by anybody about what? Any, uh, any I, of this matter? All right, all right. Now, somebody tried to bother me. You know, um, this is in 1965, and they tried to bother me real bad because of my association with David. And who I got somebody? I don't know. I mean, very often. And so I got scared, and I wanted to get out of New Orleans. But then I got involved with some people who wanted to do some other things to another president. 
And I didn't know it at the time, and so I made some very stupid things, and I wrote some stupid things, and I did some things, and I got carted off. What do you mean, carted off? Just for observation, with Habitat. These people wanted to do some stupid things to another president? Is that what you said? Would this have been President, what, Johnson at the time? Uh, Did these things ever materialize? Of course not. Who were the people? Some people. What were their uh, positions? Were they, you know... No, no, just people. Just just, uh, people who believe that Johnson was just as corrupt as Kennedy. In other words, they were anti-communist people. Yeah. Oil interests or military or just... Just individuals. My God, don't make it. It's no. just like you, you have a, you meet a bunch of people, you know, at a at a at a at a, at a, at a church meeting, and that was it, you know. You get to talking, and they're very fanatical, and you know, they're uh, we're two of them were members of the Minutemen. I will admit, you know. Weren't you ever interviewed by Jim Garrison or any of his investigators? Um, that was um, they came out to California. I can't hear you. They came out to California to find me. Uh, then you were interviewed by 1968. Now, were those that's not the government, though. No. Was that Garrison or his investigator? Did you speak to Garrison himself? Yes. Did he come out to California? No. Uh, an investigator came out and uh, took me back. They took you back to New Orleans? Yeah. And did you testify in the Clay Shaw trial? No, I did not. Because I did not know Clay Shaw. Now, this was after Derry, uh, uh, David Perry had died, isn't that right? After David Perry was murdered. Okay. Uh, do you, uh, did you, did you, you give written statements to Jim Garrison's investigators, or a taped statement? If you recall. I don't recall. I don't recall exactly what happened, except but I know that there was an attempt on my life, two attempts, when I was there in New Orleans. And what, what kind of attempts? Got fired. You were shot at? That's right. Weren't you in protective custody of any kind? I was supposedly being secreted away at this hotel, uh, Fontainebleau, uh, in you know, Florida. No, in New Orleans. Is it Fontainebleau? Well, there's, uh, there's a number of French... Yeah, names, I, but it's on Canal. It's a really big, white, beautiful place. I think it was the Fontainebleau. Was it in the French Quarter? Quarter? No, no, no. No, the French the Canal doesn't go to the French. You quarter. weren't hurt though, were you? No. And yeah, we come back from yeah, we came back from Mr. Garrison's office, and my room is completely ransacked, and no one was supposed to know it was New Orleans. No, they gave me the word, like you gentlemen did here earlier, and. They gave me the word that I would have complete protection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's two bullets to the window. Oh, please, come on, you know. Were you in the room when the shots were fired? I just come in the room, turn on the light. And then when the shots were fired? Right, and I got out of there. And I did not call Mr. Shamber because Mr. Shamber was the one who David Ferry had warned me about, and I didn't remember it. Who's I'm Mr. Shamber? Moo Shamber, that he was an assistant district attorney. And I didn't remember that David had warned me about him. Now, he was working for he was working for the Central Intelligence Agency, and I got my ass out of that hotel. I got everything. I went down to a payphone, and I got a hold of Mr. Alcock at his home, and I told him what happened. And he said, "Whatever you do, don't let Shamber 
Hartford Garrison knows. And he hid me. And he kept me hidden in two different places and got me out of New Orleans. Who, who was this that did you? Alcock. We have an Alcock. Alcock. You spelled last name? Alcock. Alcock? attorney. In New Orleans? Yeah. Working for Mr. Garrison? Yeah, working for Mr. Garrison. But he, but he told me himself that Chandra was a dishonest person and Chandra was, you know, was not Garrison. working for the best interest of Mr. Garrison, but he said no one in the office could tell Garrison that because Chandra kept leading him on all these trails. And he says the investigation is completely out of whack now. He says it's been out of whack ever since Ferry was killed. And he used the word killed, too. Do you know what Ferry told Garrison that may have led up to Ferry's being killed? I don't know, because I understand, and this is in talking with the reporter who was here yesterday, a friend of mine, a personal friend of mine, Frank Winston, he told me all the tapes were stolen. I can't hear you. All the tapes were stolen. I mean, Ferry's tapes. The whole file was stolen by uh, Shafra. He stole everything. Did, Son of a bitch. Pardon my friend. Ferry that, that, ever that tell you? That really upsets me, you know, because... Did Ferry I, Now I'm getting angry. Well, you go ahead. You no, you go ahead. I just no, I, because you know the, the man. Sorry. You know the, the man. No, go right ahead. I, I believe. I believe. I believe that he he had David Ferry killed. Uh, who? Who? Lou Shamber. Shamber. Okay. Why, why don't you tell us about the last time you ever talked to Ferry? It was really, really strange. It was really, really strange. First of all, I haven't heard when, from, when I hadn't heard from. Well, it was in, in 1967, early February. Mm -hmm. It was, in fact, it was on my birthday, Valentine's Day. Oh, uh-huh. And uh, he remembered my birthday. And because I'm quite a freak about remembering my birthday, you know, it's on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, he called, and I, I suggested, very cold. Yeah. But maybe important. Can you stop that, please? Uh, you want me to stop the tape recorder? Stop it for the phone call. All right. Yeah, we just cut the tape recorder off for about 30 seconds, and you completed your phone call, and the tape recorder is back on now. Is that correct? Yeah. And Mr. Moriarty had asked you to try and relate the last conversation that you'd had with Ferry, how it came about. It was on my birthday, and I couldn't figure out how he got my phone number. Where were you living? seems to me that I was living on Eddy Street. And what state, what city? San Francisco. Okay. I've been here since I know for sure the spring of 66. So this was about a year later? Yeah. About? A little, no, 65, 67, a year and a half, I guess. Okay. Yeah, a year and a half. So, and uh, he called, and he was very upset because he was, he was, that he was going to be killed. He brought up Shaffer again. He, he, he mentioned Shaffer's name? Yeah, he can. Why did he mention Shaffer's name? He says he's messing over me. He says, I think he's working for the Central Intelligence Agency. And I said, oh, please, David, I don't want to hear that. I, I, you know, because in 67, we were hearing the Central Intelligence Agency, this, the CIA, that, and it's getting a bit old, you know. You know, uh, even though they've been based probably guilty of everything they say they are, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, there's some bad and some good and everything. Uh, but David, uh, he was very adamant about Chamber was messing over him. He said some of the things that were supposed to happen didn't happen. I said, what do you mean happen? 
He said, I can't tell you. He said, but just remember this, whatever happens, I will never kill myself. Remember that. And if something happens to me, he says, call the newspapers and tell them. So I didn't call the newspapers. You have to speak. I didn't call the newspapers. Because I didn't know what to say, and I didn't want to get involved. What else did he say that night on the phone? Uh, he just went on and on about, you know, uh, re reflecting in the past and how things have been different now. Did you ask him why somebody was trying to kill him? And he asked me if I got my papers from, uh, you know, the Orthodox uh, Ocala Church. And I said, yes, they came in the mail, okay. He got them for me. And, uh, what was that? I was wondering if he said why somebody would want to kill him because of what he knew. Did he tell you what he said? But he, he said to me, he says, I will be more valuable dead to certain people than I will be alive. And, and who, who is certain people? I don't know. Oh. Did Ferry ever tell you how many different people shot at Kennedy? If there was more than one or not? Yes, he told, he told me that the, he told me, that he was very specific about it. And we're going, now you're, you're leaving 1967, let's clarify, we're going back to 1965. Okay. He I said guess. back then that the shots came from the grassy knoll. And then, of course, I, you know, I read these things in the paper, you know, the grassy knoll. I, I, I've never been to Dallas, like I said, it made me go through in a bus. Uh, I don't know what a gra the grassy knoll is. And did he tell you how many different people, if there was more, well, did he tell you if there was more than one person shooting at Kennedy? He said that before, there were three people. No, well, did he say there were three people involved, but did he specifically tell you that three different people were doing the shooting, as opposed to one doing the shooting and the other two helping in some way? No. Or he didn't explain? No, sir. He didn't explain? No. Did he tell you what part Oswald played in it? I said that earlier, sir. Uh, you're, you're being a prosecuting attorney again. Uh, he said that Oswald was the dupe, you know, Descartes. Did he say what part Ruby played in it? No, sir. He didn't say. Did you ever have any conversation with him about Ruby at all? The only thing we discussed was how the Dallas police allowed Ruby to murder the Harvey Oswald. That really upset him. What did he say about That's that? That's why he thought his life wasn't worth a plug nickel. Well, it was set up, he said. What was the purpose? He said there were members of the Dallas Police Department involved. But I, that's a bit far-fetched. But then... You know, I saw a thing on TV one time where kind of showed the crowd kind of party. Well, why did they do that? Well, well maybe there's maybe there's open something. questions that yeah. maybe there's something about David said, but just imagine members of the Dallas Police Department involved in a well. Did back. they want to kill they, uh, Lee Harvey also? Did they want want him killed? And then suddenly, for Jack Ruby to suddenly come down and die of cancer? But may I ask you this so quickly? How was Oswald... David, David, now David knew a lot about cancer. 
And he said that that was injected. How was Oswald he, Duke? He was very adamant about that because he did a lot of he did a lot of uh, experimentation in that area. Brilliant man, as I tried to tell you earlier. And he said that that was injected into into Ruby, and it was all set up. Could you could you tell us? I believe. Could you tell us? how Oswald was supposed to be a dupe. You know, there are many different ways that a man could be know. used. If he spoke... I don't know. He didn't, he didn't give an explanation by what he meant of a dupe. He, he, well, as I said to you earlier, he said that he did not fire, he did not shoot President Kennedy. He was a dupe. So, I didn't take the question because I knew in my own mind what he meant. That dupe meant he was a decoy. And this goes back to the earlier thing that he was in over his head, what things he didn't know what he was doing. Hmm. And, but he, he didn't actually say he was a decoy, but the manner in which he, he just explained it to you, he gave you that impression. No, there was no doubt. There, there was no doubt. If there had been any doubt in my mind, I would have had a few thousand things to say. Let me ask you this. When, uh, when, you, when you talk to Mr. Garrison or, or his investigator, did you recite all this information to him? No. You didn't? No, I did not. Could I ask you why not? David Ferry was dead. He was murdered, regardless of what you people say, regardless of what anyone says, he was murdered. People who suffer heart attacks cannot pull a sheet up over their head and lock their door from the outside. Nine star. He was murdered. There was no autopsy allowed of David's body. And you can check that out, because I did check it out. And that's what made me scared when they wanted me to go to New Orleans. There was no autopsy whatsoever. So you don't know if he had been injected with something. And I, I think it's... Is, is the gist of uh, what you're saying that because of your uh, your 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 realization... I wasn't going to tell those some of it because nothing, especially after the very first day we're there, right. my room is, 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 is ransacked. And then later on, to both to the window the next day. I mean, are you out of your mind? I'm not going to tell him anything. Right. Okay. Let me ask I you mean, this: had, had you ever received a, any kind of a letter, any kind of a written letter from from David Ferry? Oh, back in the early '60s, yeah. Do you recall anything about it? I mean, no, it's just you know, written in all hands or typewritten or. When you come, when you come into New Orleans, it was oh. typewritten. Poorly, poorly typewritten. Poorly typed. Poorly typed. We come to New Orleans, you know. Uh huh. Poorly typed. I never got anything. I don't think I ever saw it. Uh, he had handwriting. Oh. I don't think I ever saw it. Except for. Do you know if he was left handed or right handed? If you recall, you know. How would I recall? Chances are, if he wore a wristwatch, he had rings. You know, some, sometimes you can figure out, for instance, I'm right-handed because you can see I've got my, my watch on my left wrist. Shook hands with his right hand. Uh-huh. 
know that for sure. <laughs> I think everybody does. Yeah. No, I have some people. Well, I don't, as a rule. I stand on well, my left. And my right hand's always had my brief paper. So I, <laughs> no, I, occupied the, no, I have my right hand. I always carry a briefcase, so oh. I always shake hands my left. Uh, uh, Did you ever ask David Ferry why? Uh, of course, you didn't learn until 1965. Or am I right in concluding that you didn't learn until 1965? This is the second tape. We're on side A. Uh, we're continuing with the conversation, Mr. Moriarty, Mr. Brochures, and myself. Now, I think that when the uh, other tape shut off, I was in the process of asking you whether or not Ferry had ever told you in 1965, well, I, I know what it was. I was saying that it was the first time that you learned that Ferry was involved some way in the assassination, even like helping Getaway. It was the first time you learned that in 1965? Yes. You didn't have any idea before oh, that? No, I didn't have any idea of it at all. Until he talked. Now, did and then later, you know, later, uh, I think it was 66 or 67, it started coming out about the garrison. Wasn't it 67 from 66? I'm not sure. Well, did, did Ferry... The garrison had been questioning, though, already in 65. In fact, I think he questioned in 63. Did, did Ferry explain to you? I understand correctly. I, I don't recall. Yeah, I think he did. I think he questioned almost after the assassination. Did Ferry explain to you in 1965 when you had your conversation why he, that is Ferry, didn't come out in front of the Warren Commission and tell them what the real truth was as long as he felt that Oswald was a dupe? Number one, from what he told me, man from the FBI that he talked to didn't even want to talk to him, berated him for being a homosexual and a freak, made ridicule of him, and said, I don't believe anything you have to say. And that was it. Well, so I think that's where it ended. The man judged him on his cosmetic appearance and not upon what he should have been. Did he, uh... There were two men, excuse me, two men. Did, did Ferry ever tell you that he himself could have been prosecuted, that he realized that he could have been prosecuted as part of a conspiracy? Yes, he did make that very, very clear to me. And what, what was his position about that? He was going to kill himself. He said he'd kill himself? Yeah. You told us just a little while ago. On now that was in, now, wait a minute. Now you're taking words out of my mouth. Now, I want you to explain. No, that, that was 65, sir. Okay. He said. Not 67. He said 65. He'd what now? He said he would kill himself. If what happens? If they tried, if they tried to drag him into it. Did he indicate the manner? That was 65. Did he indicate the manner he might employ? No, sir. If he if he did such a foolish thing. That was 65, though, sir, not 67. That's what I want you to do, is clarify that. But 67, he wanted to live. 67, he was wanted he to Was he concerned live. in 67 
we got she had instituted a kind of immunity or something from someone. Garrison had gained some kind of thing for him where he would definitely be immune. Did Ferry tell you that? Huh? Yes. Ferry told you that he had been promised immunity so that he wouldn't be worried about being prosecuted if right. he told the truth because his role was only that of a pilot. Yeah. That's in 67, 65 he was concerned. Was, was Ferry ever, uh, to your knowledge, involved in New Orleans with any of the anti-Castro groups? I can't say. Outside of his connection with us, you know, and with myself and with one the people who I had connection with, you know, the from the Minutemen, different, uh, Minutemen, let's say Minutemen, you have to speak a little uh, From the Minutemen out of Narva, Missouri, Bob Defuse's group. Did Ferry make comments? And, uh, Fred Schwartz's group, that's all I know. Did Ferry make comments to you about the CIA's involvement with the anti-Castro groups? No, no, nothing, no, not that I can recall, for sure. Lots that we talk about. Remember, our times together were not that often. And when we talked, we crowded a lot of things a little bit of time. But mainly we transacted the businesses we had to transact in that day. Do you think, uh, would you say that you were a close personal friend of Ferry's? No, I said that earlier. All right. Now, the reason I ask that is if Ferry confided in you in 1965 the truth about what happened with Kennedy and Ferry's part in it. That was when he was ill, yeah. Uh, who else might he have confided that to at that time? Perhaps someone he was even closer to than you. I know he told four people for sure everything. Who were those? But I mean, he told me, he told me. But one of them was Garrison. Okay. He didn't trust Shannon. Some woman. I don't know who it was. You don't know the woman's name? No. Okay, that's two. I don't know. I really don't. One of them was the minister with the old or priest with the old Catholic Church, you know. But I don't know who that was. I don't know if that was Bob Martin. There was one other person, and I and I, I remembered the name the other day when I was sitting here thinking about it. And I was trying to remember who it was, who it was, and I can't think because the name has, has came to me so many many times. And it seems to me he's been in the news in one of the in a, in a, in a, in a thing I read of uh, uh, trying to think who's on it was a it was a, a thing in a, in a in a magazine I think it was Playboy or Playgirl I don't know, no Playboy. There is a playground. Um, I can't think of this guy's name. It's a very familiar name. It's 
one other person, and he disappeared. And that's what's bothering me. I've been trying to remember his name again. And he disappeared from sight. And he is one who David told everything. Matt, may I ask you this question? At the time in 1960... His name was in that magazine article. I remember that. Raymond. Raymond. The, I'll, I'll run across it someplace. In fact, I'll call John tomorrow and find out the name of it. Raymond, in, in 1960... Because it's a very familiar name with the case. Raymond, in 1965, when Ferry related yeah. this to you, did he tell you whether or not he had already told it to Garrison? No, I don't think he had told everything to Mr. Garrison. No, because, because he didn't have immunity. That's right. And Garrison didn't promise him immunity until sometime in 66. So you learned about it in that conversation then before Garrison did? Yes. Now, did you ever have a subsequent or a later conversation with Ferry about the same subject matter? We discussed it off and on several times during my brief stay there before I left. Did he ever vacillate? In other words, tell you, well, uh, give you more details or change in any way? Or did he remain pretty strong on, on what you related? It was basically the same story. But he became more unsure of himself, in my opinion, each time he related it because I really believe he was frightened because when, you know, when he said he realized that he was really in deep, I'm trying to think of the name of this guy who was told Garrison so damn much that got David in most of his trouble. I can't remember his name. God, if I can remember his name. Did you ever write it down or read it someplace? Around? I read it. Yeah, I read it. What, what, what kind of magazine we're talking about? Maybe we can help. Yeah, it was a, it was from one of Mark Lane's books. One of Mark Lane's books. All right. And I've only read one. No, I read two. I read A Rush to Judgment. Uh-huh. And The Citizen Dissent. Mm-hmm. I just I like that man intensely. Who, Mark Lane? Yeah. But it's in one of those two novels. Mark Lane's not looking for the truth either. He's only looking to sell books. And I can give you my word on that. Um, the terrible, evil things he said about David Ferry. What, what did he say about Ferry that wasn't true? Practically everything. He's a degenerate, a pervert, an a, a opportunist, a, a greedy, money-hungry person. He didn't put that in his book. That's what he said to me. That's why I knew right there. This man was a very, very bad man. And I'm sorry that any of America has believed anything he's had to say because I don't think much of anything he said is true. Because I, I, it's really, I don't find his books that interesting. And if I don't, you know, if I start reading from it, I think I read about four pages of, of, of Rush to Judgment, and, you know. And then I read a little bit of Citizens of Sense, you know, I thumbed through it. He doesn't have anything to say. Tell me, you know, do you recall if, if a fairy ever uh, made many contacts with his own personal physician? Was he under the care of a doctor? You know, David considered himself by a doctor. Yeah, well. You ever see his collection of medical did, uh, books? Did anybody else ever treat him for anything? I'm sure. But I don't know. 
he, he wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they did. Common sense would tell you that. Right. But he considered himself quite a doctor. Now, there was some guy that who was a doctor, I think he lost his license, that they had a lot of association with. Oh. But I don't know if they spoke of him. He's as an ex-doctor. He always referred to him as an ex-doctor. Hmm. I said, what do you mean, ex-doctor? And he lost his license. Down in New Orleans? This was yeah. I don't think he lived right in New Orleans. I think he lived in New You... You said something earlier when we first came. No, it was Tippidale, excuse me. Tippidale. About Philip Burton, that you'd had a contact with him sometime last year. That'd be 1976. Yes, Doris Thomas, his administrative aide, and with Bill himself, yes. Now, Phil Burton is the congressman from the San Francisco area? That's right. And what what did that uh, conversation entail? Well, it, it, it was also written correspondence to the Burtons as well, uh, to Philip, no reason to write, no reasoning with John, so you don't write John. Uh, but I asked Philip Burton to please do all he could to see that this committee, which you're from, never came into being, because I feel that your committee is a waste of taxpayers' time and money, basically, because you're going to do a whitewash on a cover-up. What did Burton say to you? And, uh, he, and, I, and I, I gave a reason for it, and I said that too many of the first parties and second parties were dead. And Bill agreed with me that it was too long a time had passed and nothing good could come of it, and a lot of innocent people could be hurt. He said, while there might be some things gained from it, he said, it's probably in the end be an end row. And his administrative aide, Mrs. Thomas, gave me assurances that it would never. I, you know, I call the office uh, on a regular basis to find out what the status of the creation of the committee. And I, I lobbied. Uh, I wrote letters to a couple other congressmen. I'm trying to think who I wrote to to try to stop this committee from coming into being, as well as to Senator Cranston. Well, uh, you first said to us uh, when we came in, I, unless I'm wrong in my recollection, and you correct me, that Philip Burton had given you assurances that the committee wouldn't come well, in. Well, he, he was virtually sure that it wouldn't, that he had the votes. Who told you that? Doris. But not, but Burton never told you that. No, well, that was when I called to see, you know, where it was, and she said, it looks like it's dead. And I said, good. I said, now I can breathe easier. But, okay, that was his administrative assistant that made yeah, those representations. Yeah, he's a very, yeah, well, when Doris Thomas speaks, that's Phil Burton speaking. If you know anything about Phil Burton, you know that when Doris speaks here in San Francisco, that's the voice of Philip Burton. She gives her word. She's a very good person, a very good person. And, a, you know, I wish I was a congressman and had her for administrative aid, because she's a crackerjack. Can you think of anything else, uh, Jack? No, I can't. I'm just trying to... Uh, Did you say that last part to kind of slam Congress and Burton? No, I said it because you brought it up when we oh, first came well, in, and I wanted to make sure that it was correct. We well, didn't want to give you the impression that we just kind of... Well, I know some of the congressmen on that committee don't like Congress and Burton. Well, I, I don't know anything about the inter well, I did. congressional politics, but I, I did want to know because you...
Can you think of anything else, uh, Jack? No, I can't. I'm just trying to... Uh, Did you say that last part to kind of slam Congressman Burke? No, I said it because you brought it up when we oh, first came yeah, in, and I wanted to make sure that it was correct. We wouldn't want to give you the impression that we're just kind of... Well, I know some of the congressmen on that committee don't like Congressman Burke. Well, I, I don't know anything about the inter well, I did. congressional politics, but I, I did want to know because you brought it up yourself to begin with. Uh, I didn't want you to think, well, as Mr. Moriarty pointed Congress, out, that we didn't want it on tape. Congressman Philip Burton is a very honorable man. He tries very, very hard and to do what's right, even though in corrupt Washington it's very difficult. But I just, I, you know, his only thing is that he, I, I know in discussing that he felt that too much water had gone over the dam. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add with respect to David Ferry, Garrison, uh, the assassination, or anything that you have knowledge of, personal knowledge of, or through Ferry? I never looked. Never heard of David Ferry. Well, there's, you know, there's nothing else. I just want to make sure that you have an opportunity to uh, explore your memory and to record uh, that which you remember. We'll, we'll stipulate that when you can think of this one other name. Five foot eight. Okay, it's now uh, 10.04 p.m., Wednesday, May 18th, 1977. At this point, uh, the agreement of all, we're terminating the interview, unless somebody has something they want to add. All right? Then we are terminating at this point. Thank you for listening to episode 189 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. <laughs>